Welcome to today's show. Today we will look back at the trends, polls, and news that have been. <laughs> I gotta do that over again. See, this All is right. what happens. This <laughs> oh, is horrible. No. Take oh, two. No. There's too many little, too many like consonants in that sentence. But never mind. You need I, to practice. A few I'd, times. I'd like, to, I'd like to blame the writer, but. that's not a that's not a great spot you know normally i practice my intros before my oh okay so we (laughs) are we gonna do this because we can do this okay we're gonna do it we can make some time i got some time okay all right all right count me back in i'm ready i'm ready coach all right three two Welcome to today's show. Today, we will look back at the trends, polls, and news that have impacted us, and we'll look at the news feed to project where we might land in the coming year. If you haven't noticed, I'm not Josh Hyde. Hello, and welcome to Recap. I'm your guest host, Francine Dash, and today we have with us Alexander Crohannon, uh, better known as Professor X, who will be bringing in the trends for us. And we have, is it Speaker Anthony Arnold? Is that what we're going with? I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure that out towards the end of the show. Anthony is going to be doing our polls for us. So without further ado, before we get into that, guys, how are you guys doing? What's going on? Everybody cool? Um, well enough. We just finished the semester. Um, only have one like real class next semester. So that'll be great. Awesome. Get a f- focus on research. Get some publications out. How about you, Anthony? What's going on in the Arnold world? Uh, preparing to go see Spider-Man tonight. Oh, um, yeah. My prediction, this will be the saddest MCU movie since Infinity War. Um, and I will, I'm going to throw some caveats <laughs> on that. Anthony, did you, it's being called one of the, it's being called the greatest Spider-Man movie ever made. I know. Yeah. It, it be it, I know it, they're putting it with Spider-Man two. And we're not just gonna, we're not just going to say Spider-Man. Wait, 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 wait. We're not going to trash Sam Raimi like this. Okay, look, this is a different <laughs> podcast, but I'm not I'm not standing for this. I'm not standing for this slander of the Sam Raimi. There trilogy. you go. Draw All that right. line in the sand. Draw that line in the sand. Um, it's so. Is it just we'll only? It's not being. I'm just feel later uh, later tonight. So is it not streaming? I can't watch it at home. You're saying I have to leave mm-hmm. my nope. house. I have to go yep. outside. In, yep. the, in the to, public uh, space, you have to brave the day star with yep. the, with the people. I have to go out with with the people where yep. the people are. Uh-huh. Okay, that won't be happening. You but sure you do. have fun. You, I hope you make it back. <laughs> but Francine, I know you could see them. Um, you could see them dancing. Oh yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> All right. Talk to All us right. About well, the trends. Uh, I want today. I want to talk about the war on Christmas. And not okay. that war on Christmas. That oh. not the one you're thinking about. Not okay. the not the we destroy Christmas because okay. liberals hate Christmas and America. I don't <laughs> no, we're not talking about that because that's okay. dumb. Okay. Um what we're gonna talk about is uh what I think is actually like the driver of that for a lot for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that is we just don't celebrate the holidays anymore like we used to. Mm-hmm. Well, when you say uh, used to, how did you celebrate the holidays? Well, okay. Um, by used to, I mean like I'm doing like towns and like the set, like from like the '60s and the uh, so actually probably or probably before that from the civil the dawn of civil <laughs> the dawn of Christmas like Christmas holidays to today. Mm-hmm. Um, you just don't. Uh, you can go down around uh, like a bunch of like small towns. Um, and you can see some of them will have put up, like, you know, put up some decorations and they'll put up some lights, but like gone are the days where, um, every store had yeah. like had decorations and they kind of, you know, say, uh, and they just go around like the whole street, like the whole main street and all like the old business sectors just, you know, done up yeah. in decorations and everyone has things out and you go inside and people are, are like are decorated and they have decorations along the walls and they have sales and they have specials and they is 
at your all of these things you're picturing and right. like they're just it's none of well that i'm anymore. stuck on so decorated just, people so go ahead <laughs> they're in their costumes look they're all in their costumes and they say and they have like the little jangles on and they you know they are even more excited to greet you and talk to you and feel like and help you in whatever you're doing so you're like, talking about christmas spirit Right. Um, uh, kind of yeah yeah, um, yeah. This, uh, and we just don't do that anymore because all those like small businesses have been replaced by like large mega soul-crushing corporations I mean like even Walmart like even Walmart yeah we have our greeter but like your greeter isn't any more fun or festive <laughs> or lively what do you want them to do what do you want to do another day dance on your way in this isn't on the worker this is not on the worker the worker is being like put in this stupid position for sub living like for a suboptimal wage like an unacceptable wage and i i'm not going to ask them to do any more than they are already doing Mm -hmm. um this is on the employer this is on this is on the business and being like because those those things used to be driven by employees employees liked where they worked and they wanted to celebrate this a their passion their joy for this part of the year with every with their community Mm -hmm. and um corporations have ground that into dust because all that time that you spend decorating is time that you're not spending doing your actual job well alex it sounds like you want to make america great again I mean, <laughs> sure. All, that's a, that'd be a really cool slogan if only someone hadn't. But I'm, you know, it's, <laughs> when you said it, I initially thought about uh, up where I live uh, and people in Indy in Indianapolis. If you know, if you've been there, you know, you used to be able to drive down Meridian. And I seem to, I mean, this could just be in my mind playing tricks on me, but it does seemed that when I was younger, like a lot more houses up and down Meridian were lit up than they are now. And I don't think it's as widespread now, nearly as widespread. I mean, I mean, I mean, it used to be like, just be lights all over the place. Free light show, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I am, I'm, it's 2021. One of my favorite like high school dates around this time of year was, you know, we'd go like go out for dinner and then take like the most scenic long way home yeah, and just like, yeah. like drive through the neighborhoods and like see all the lights and stuff. Uh, my wife and I tried doing this uh, last year and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Disappointing. Wow. Just, just wow. Like, Oh, well th- this neighbor. And I was like, well, this neighborhood used to be a lot more cheery. Let's go. Let's go over. Let's, well, why let's, do you think that and- is? Why do you think that is? I mean, is this a recent thing or have you seen this? happening since before covid was this happening pre-covid or is, do you think this is a covid thing um yes i mean i say i think it was happening before i think that's just a gradual um gradual decline yeah yeah yep. yeah you know i joke with you but honestly i see the exact same thing and it's like people were coming more and more disconnected because the reason why we i feel like we used to do those shows of joy or happiness and wanting to share is because people mattered more but because we're so much more antisocial, we think we're more connected it seems like those displays don't have the same weight anymore. We, I remember sending Christmas cards. <laughs> I have not sent one in years. And I yeah. think if people got them, they wouldn't know really what to do with them. Well, we used to put them on our Christmas tree or on our mantle. That's what we used to do with them. But yeah, I think, you're, I think your observation is certainly something that I've observed. That's yeah. and, so, like, and I think this is, so not the political... Uh, you know, Fox News war on uh, war and Christmas nonsense that they're talking about. But I, I, I do feel like this is really where a lot of people like a lot of that anxiety, a lot of that frustration for a lot of like normal people comes from. Yeah. It's like I say like, I've noticed a change uh, like just in the past, like, you know, 20 years. And I can't imagine how much that will like I don't imagine that's a new trend. I imagine like it's just been a gradual decline. And so looking yep. from I say remembering my childhood and they've been like well this is different I, yeah. I can't imagine what it's like well I 
back in my day. Um, <laughs> right. I get it. You're already, it, it. It's starting to resonate, right? You know, um, what was I about to say? Oh, I totally lost it. And it was a beautiful point, but it'll come back around. It happens. But uh, let me see. Nope, nope, it didn't come back. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we see the same thing at like Halloween. Um, I mean, Francine, you probably had noticed as your kids age, like, you probably noticed the amount of Halloween decorations has gone down. Well, the whole trick or treating um, thing, everything special that we celebrated as as communities and families has declined. But what I was going to say now, I remembered it. How, uh, Christmas in particular is a rel- relatively newer holiday for us, so it's sort of like we didn't always celebrate it. So it's sort of like we're going back into what we were before, and Christmas became one of those holidays. That was great because it gave us something that kind of brought us together, regardless of whatever, right? It, it became something that we could all share. Even people who weren't Christians got into the Chris, Christmas spirit when I was a kid. It was just something. I remember having Jewish neighbors and they were doing, uh, they would like the they give gifts like every day, like little gifts. And they would give some to the kids <clears throat> if you came over or something like that for like the potluck. But I remember exchanging cards and gifts and the cheer and and going to the stores and going out for hot chocolate and things that used to matter that that have declined. And the same with with Halloween, anything I used to do with my kids, it seemed a lot not matter. Everybody's so jaded right now. Yep. Well, jaded because they uh, I mean, it's expensive putting out putting out Christmas lights. It's expensive running all of that. It's a time investment. And if I can't take time off of work to put up the lights or I can't afford to run all of the lights, uh, you know, at say every night for the month of, at least for the month of December. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I have to choose between, well, do we, uh, do we have a night? Say, do we have like, you know, the same level of dinner or even some nicer dinners in the middle uh, of this month? Or do I, you know, put some money aside for a wreath on my door? Uh, I know what's getting cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, well, that's a sad trend. And hopefully we can see that rebound. But it starts with people, right? Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, no, this is I, I like this trend, though, honestly, because it's stuff we've sort of talked about before. But I think it also shows that, like, there is sort of a an understandable frustration at the root of some people's. We see it vented through the political system. And we don't like it, but like at the core of it, um, there's something understandable for some of this, which is like, it sucks to not see houses lit up for Christmas or decorations and stuff out for Halloween. Like it, it sucks not seeing the neighborhood full of like, like Meridian, I'll go back to Meridian was funny because like, these were rich people. Like these were like, if you've seen the houses on Meridian, these are like McMansions. And, and they they clearly did it because like they had the money and because on some level they were like I don't know like why not light up our McMansion? Other people like it. You know that's that been only... traded in for going to pay to go see lights. Now I think people pay. Right. Now let's get to the polls, Anthony. What do you have for me? All right. So um, for the for the most recent poll, the one we're going to cover uh, today, we're going to look at the poll we did just last Friday. So as people should know by now. Um, we do a poll every Friday on our social media pages. We like it when you comment and interact. This is one I am very excited that we finally did. Alex and I have personally kicked it around a bunch. Uh, it's coming to no satisfying answers, by the way. So the question is, how far should the U.S. go to support an ally? So over the last year, there's been a steady buildup of Russia's military presence on the Ukrainian border and of China's presence outside Taiwan. For various reasons, the U.S. government supports the current governments in those countries, um, and we have warned that any military action would be met with uh, various sanctions. But is that enough? So again, how far should we go supporting an ally? Should we consider using our military in response to aggression from Russia or China, or are the risk of a great power war so great that a military response is no longer feasible? Um, I know, Alex, you answered in our Slack channel. Um, so while you're sort of kicking around your answer, Francine, I'm going to go ahead and just ask Alex to sort of just rehash what you, what what you put in the channel for us so that our, uh, our audience can know your thoughts, man. All right. Well, um, let me, I'm going to 
or an opposed this like a parable you know like a like a like a jesus thing like in the spirit of the holiday so uh anthony you're uh josh our dear friend josh calls you in the middle of the night he said and he's just just pan and i say you can hear the panic and the fear in his voice and he says someone is breaking into my house they said they're going to kill me and you're gonna be like well that sounds awful josh do you uh have you called the police he said, yes, I have called the police. And they said they're experiencing an abnormally high call volume at this time. And they will be here when they can. Hmm. But I say, uh, but, but Anthony, you live, they say, I need you to get in your car and drive down here and help me deal with this. Look, man, hmm. fear, fear of retaliation is so great that I'm going to let you die, Josh. I'll miss you, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll mourn you. <laughs> you're a great. What are you, what are you gonna? What are you gonna do, Anthony? You're gonna you're gonna leave Josh to yeah, Josh and his wife to to their fate. I mean, look, you and I talked about this, and I think the the problem here is that we have made assurances to people, right? This is not merely uh, like we talked about this, right? In '94, we asked Ukraine to give up their nuclear weapons when they broke away from uh, the Soviet Union, right. As as part of an agreement to become independent, we asked them to give up their nuclear weapons uh, because they had a lot of the USSR's nuclear arsenal was in Ukraine at that time. So we asked them to give it up. In exchange for giving it up, we gave them assurances, like a document, We, we, we signed a document that their borders would be respected. Um, and everyone understood what this meant. I mean, everyone understood that the threat to Ukraine's borders in the future was from Russia. I mean, it wasn't, they weren't afraid of us like invading Crimea. They were afraid of Russia like invading Crimea. That's what everyone knew. So we gave them assurances that we would protect them. Um, and then the invasion of Crimea happened. And we, we did not keep those assurances, right? Um, and so the problem here is like, if the U.S. gives its word, should it keep its word? I mean, should we be good to our word? Should we be good to the documents we sign? Should we be, you know, should we honor treaties or, or whatever else? Um, and then on the other side of that, I mean, you have the reality that a war with China or Russia would be, uh, long and bloody and disastrous. And in the case of Taiwan, it's there's like a higher than average chance that we would actually lose flat out a war um, in Taiwan. Ukraine is a little uh, less clear to me just because we have European allies in the region. But in Taiwan, it would just be us versus China. Uh, we would have. That's nonsense. I don't think anybody else would jump in to help us in Taiwan. Not like um, they would in Ukraine. Say Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, um, Japan, uh, South Korea would like nothing more than to stick it to China, especially uh, if they could do it without put, like without putting their names on. Just been like, oh, we're not, we're just we're supporting our ally. What, what did you want us to do? Those countries typically don't have the sort of military that our European allies have, and I don't think. European with, allies with don't the, have militaries. What are you talking about? They, they do some manufacturing. This is his whole like submarine manufacturer <laughs> thing that was a different issue in the news like weeks ago. But where they made um, worse, where France made worse submarines than Australia? <laughs> right. I don't know what to tell but, you. Like Taiwan is in China's backyard. Um, the country in a war over Taiwan would have any reason to back down and they'd have every reason to escalate. And there's something called the, it's called like the stability and instability paradox, which is the existence of nuclear weapons makes conventional war even worse because uh, you can't end the war with nuclear weapons out of fear that the other side will also launch theirs. And so you just have extreme war through conventional means. Um, so that's what's on both sides of these equations. It's a long, bloody costly war versus the strength of America's word. And that's basically what the poll question is, right? Like, 
and I'm not going to claim there's good answers here. As people can probably tell, I, I don't claim to have any great answers to this question. Um, International I think, relations uh, only works if you uh, like, re- like relationships only work if you say, uh, if people's words have meaning, right? Like we're yes. friends because we have, yes. say, we have uh, exchanged words and have backed those words up with action. And so we are now to the point of, you say a thing and I just believe you. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, Francine thoughts I mean, before we continue on our path, Francine, you need- um, short answer because of <clears throat> promises made, should we run to the rescue of an ally? The short answer I would say would be yes, only in the spirit of keeping our word. However, <clears throat> there's a certain reality that we have to come to terms with when these situations arise. And, um, and we don't know what this fight would be like. We don't know what it could bring. We don't know if those fears that we had in the 80s about Russian cells are true in the United States. Would they be activated? And you know, will we be fighting multi-front? We don't know. We, there's so much we don't know. But we, we, in our haste to get Ukraine to a position where we wanted them to be, we made them think that we took them under our wing. That's what we did. We did the same thing in Afghanistan too. I don't think if it were just a moral response, then of course, but there's so much more at play and so much we don't know. I think that it's gonna take people smart in the space of warfare and those waters to kind of help to navigate the right decisions that need to be made sitting from my comfortable perch here in the United States, it's easy for me to say what I'm saying, but um, I don't have any clear answers either other than that. I will yeah. say that with Alex's um, a parable, which I really liked, by the way, um, <clears throat> the reality that that kind of drums up as far as the imagery in your mind, even with that, it's complicated because when you're running to someone's rescue, you have to think about what you're risking on the way there. You know, will I be able to return to my family? Will this open the door to harm to my family? You know, there's so many other places um, that I'm not sure we thought about with Afghanistan yeah. <laughs> and other places, um, you know, and, and even going back to Vietnam, you know, that was a French thing originally, right? Yeah. So, um <clears throat> I, I'm just not, I haven't seen us do it excellently, is my fear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've seen us go in and provide stability, but I haven't seen us sh- teach other people how to do that so we don't have to be there. It's sort of like we're the brace walls for the foundation. Yeah. And a lot of Americans aren't going to be comfortable with that. I mean, Alex, I know when you and I've talked about it, and I think this is sort of my, not, more or less, this is my final thought. I mean, obviously, we can expand if we want to. But I think, Alex, when you and I have talked, what I've said is I think the world is returning uh, roughly to where it was before in that uh, you are – there are certain countries that are inside of a great power sphere of influence, and you are more or less at their uh, – and this is not satisfying to people. because You are more or less at, at their mercy. Um, I think Taiwan is within China's sphere of influence. This is the same thing I said about Hong Kong. If, if Alex, you and I have noted, like we made assurances to Hong Kong, we never had any capacity to keep those promises. We were never going to be able to. There was never a world in which we were going to keep Hong Kong from China. Like it was never going to happen. Uh, I, we kept telling the people of Hong Kong we would. We were never, ever, 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 ever. No, no, no. We ever. said we protect their markets. We yeah. didn't say yeah. We- <laughs> yeah. sure. that we, we that we would protect their freedoms, maybe, uh, but we were never going to. Right? It was just never going to happen. Um, Europe is, and that's Taiwan. Now, look, Europe is trickier. I mean, the the reality with Europe is, um, the situation in Ukraine is, is like sort of the historical. This is what leads to Europe going forward with one another, because um, a bunch of great powers have claims on various on, on you know this is our sphere of influence <laughs> germany says it's ours russia says it's ours the uh, uk says it's ours 
France says it's ours, and then they inevitably fight each other. Um, so you know, it's unsatisfying, but I think that's where we're where we're returning. I don't think we're going to be able to keep our promises to to our allies. And um, so I, I'm going to push back on this a little bit because here's my here's the issue, right? You're like, okay, well, Taiwan, that's in your sphere of influence. All right, Japan. Yeah. Is Japan in China's sphere of influence? What about South Korea? You know, the place that the place that make your computers. Um, oh, that one's in that China sphere of influence. Vietnam, Laos, okay, Cambodia, okay. Um, Australia is Australia in their sphere of influence? Uh, uh, actually, with China. What, what about a what about American? Yeah. Sam- what, about, what about American Samoa? I don't what know about, about the what about the Virgin know. Islands? What about uh, what about I mean, say, what about Alaska? Note, Is Alaska in Russia's sphere of influence? I mean, I'll note though that Japan and China historically they fought over that. That that's the thing that led to them as the two great powers in their region. That's what led to them fighting historically. So, who has South Korea might be something Japan and China want to work out. Hmm. Because they're the ones with the direct, with the most interest in it. And historically, yeah, we have stopped that from happening by mm-hmm. by extending our sphere into their region. But historically, like who controls Vietnam and South Korea? Yeah, that's for Japan and China to work out amongst each other. Note that per our agreement <laughs> on World War II, Japan doesn't have a military. I, I know. So again not formal so, sorry who who's gonna right who who owns who owns uh south korea and who's who oh china all right how much of this are you gonna secede how much of this are you like hmm actually we're gonna fight over this i know and you can okay. let one domino fall china just says okay fine we'll let the next one fall and the next one and yeah. the next one Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what are you gonna do where's your line where are you gonna draw your line there are no satisfying answers here <laughs> <laughs> and that sums it up pretty much anthony and alex what they're gonna do for us now is they're gonna look back at the trends and the polls that have really stood out for them over this past year that have made made a great impact in some way so with that let's let's go back to you anthony what since we're with you already yeah what polls stood out for you and why? So, Francine, you have suggested this poll, so I won't take credit for it. And this one is from, technically this one is from July of 2020, but it's so relevant that uh, I think some cheating is fine. So in July of 2020, we asked, uh, we gave an example, a, a COVID example. And the question we asked was, uh, are we interfering with nature? Should we do everything we can to save lives? We asked this in regards to the various measures that were being taken, social distancing and mask wearing. Right. And this was last July. And I think it's relevant. And the reason it really is striking is because it's now a year and a half later. The conversation actually hasn't moved Um, in a year and a half. The public and the people who are supposed to set policy, we haven't actually advanced from this very basic understanding of should we do everything in our power or should we just sort of relax our position and quote unquote get back to normal right Mm -hmm. and i think there's a lot of us who would say that a year and a half later we are feeling the fatigue of the various restrictions that restrictions on your living restrictions on your movement have grown uh i would say onerous even to those of us who were the most approving and myself included right i think they have grown tiresome and here we are with vaccines, right? And last July, vaccine, there were no vaccines. We, we didn't have any medical treatments for any of this. Now we do. And I think the question when the vaccines came out was, will this let us get back to normal? That was the understanding a lot of people had. Vaccines equal normality. But then that, that actually hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. And here we are now with the new variant, as Alex has discussed in his trends. And we're sort of going back to square one in some cases. A year and a half later, is that still tenable? Because as we know, variants are going to keep happening. And at some point, we're actually going to have to advance away from the sort of very black and white lockdowns and restrictions versus everything else. Like the conversation has to evolve. And it hasn't. Again, it's been a year and a half. And I don't think the conversation's evolved much. I don't know how you guys feel. So I'll, I'll ask uh, 
Francine, I'll ask you first. And Alex, do you think the conversation has evolved in the last year and a half since we first asked that question? You know what? I don't know if we know enough to have evolved this. I think we're all in fear of the next variant. Um, and uh, people who are getting vaccined uh, wanting to know when, when it's going to equal the normal life that you mentioned, when, when we will get back to some sort of normal. So we're in the cycle of, of a pandemic. We're in the throes of it. That's what it is. And um, there are no easy answers. I think people are doing what they can to kind of create solutions. Um, but the other part of it is the part that's tough for everyone. It's just having your sense of normalcy, having freedoms, having just having uh, your life back. That's, I think we have to assume that life as, it, as we knew it before is definitely probably changed for a while. We just don't know enough to uh, claim a normal right now. Right now, I think the goal should be surviving this thing. All right. Alex, thoughts, opinions since, uh, since we first asked that question a year and a half ago. Um, do you think we have sort of moved from the kind of black and white formulation we, we proposed then? Which again, that was where the public was then. And have we moved sort of from there now? I think, I think the conversation has... Uh, has has shifted laterally, so you know, it hasn't really moved in either. You know, say like towards a conclusion, but it has. Uh, say it has morphed into. Um, it has morphed a little, um, so I don't think anybody is really, or I guess the the people yeah, people who were discussing doing nothing, uh, largely. Like there's no political person who's now dis who's now saying we should do nothing. Um, they are, you know, uh, it's now it's like, well, we should say um, we're vaccinated. Say we're all vaccinated, and um, if you're not vaccinated, you should get vaccinated. Like that is large. That is the large, you know, political consensus. Um, not not that you you obviously you'll never hit everyone, but that's like that's been the that's been the large. And that, like, and that is a shift. Um, it doesn't shift, uh, like I said, I don't feel like it either pushed anything towards like a, um, a meaningful conclusion about what we should do and how we should do it. Just that it is, um, it's a different conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, do you think it's a better one? Uh, define better. Less people will die from this conversation. That's, Probably so. In that way, yes, it's it's better. Uh, does it say yeah. anything about our society being less cruel? No, not really. About the same. Yeah. All right. And then I guess uh, this would be for the both of you. Where would you like to see this? If you could give like, I don't know, if you can give a short version, mm -hmm. you, if mm -hmm. you can. As we look forward at the possibility, we should anticipate more variants after this one. That's what we should do if we be reasonable. Mm -hmm. How should this conversation shift? You know, we, we posted something internally about how, and I think I posted something about how the NBA is facing some real like financial like problems. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they have these outbreaks in professional sports, largely among vaccinated people, largely people who are asymptomatic. But because of testing protocols, players are just missing games, they're missing 10 days, they're missing two weeks. The potential Christmas Day game, which is the biggest financial day of the year for the NBA, is potentially at risk. This would be a really big hit to them uh, due to uh, the contracts they have with various providers. But, like, should they sit vaccinated, asymptomatic people who test positive for COVID? I mean, just and that's like a micro example. And obviously that has implications for what the rest of society should do. But, I mean, is you know. Where should this conversation shift? Because there will be new variants. Mm -hmm. And if are, do we want to be doing this next year? Do we still want to be seeing professional sports leagues sitting people who have gotten two vaccines and a booster but are testing positive for the for the 25th variant? Like, yeah, I, you know, I kind of want to go a different way with my answer, yeah. actually, just because COVID has also brought up a lot of uh, things or highlighted a lot of things with people with pre-existing conditions and other health conditions. And it's also caused conditions with people who were otherwise healthy before. For me, I like to see this discussion head more toward healthcare that's uh, available 
to, to everyone in a, in a comprehensive way. I, we made, we have started great strides in that. And we used to have a discussion that was going on at one time about that. Um, but I, I, you know, and I hear that there's some people who want to even be punitive with, with healthcare expenses toward people who refuse to get vaccinated and what have you. But I like to go the other way. I like to make sure that people have access to all the healthcare that they need and all the healthcare options that they need to not only stay healthy, but to address pre-existing conditions that really for some people made it difficult for them to survive COVID. Um, and that disparity that we are seeing um, with uh, certain groups, certain minority groups, certain uh, income groups, I like to see us really look at addressing that in a proactive way. Okay. Thank you, as always, Francine. And Alex, I'll kick it to you. As we look forward and anticipate potentially more variants and um, should, how, would you, how would you like to see this conversation shift if, if, if you were uh, Lord for a day? So for a couple of, <laughs> a couple of points, uh, so as you might have gotten from our last episode or maybe two episodes ago, I want us to stop talking about variants. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. Just end it now, right? <laughs> but we're not. Say, you, That's true. You're, you're probably right. And um, because I mean, we might, <laughs> we might be able to take your guidance, but like. Maybe when we get say, to Zed. You should talk about Zeta. <laughs> mm. Is that, did I say that? Yeah. yeah. I'll say, I mean, we'll probably just go to, we'll have, I'll say, we'll have alpha beta. We'll have alpha alpha and alpha beta and alpha gamma. It'll be real oh. fun. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so first and say, so first of all, I, I want to do that. Um, and then I actually kind of want to echo what Francine was talking about. So if we, if we go all the way back um, it was a two-week essay. It was a two-week lockdown to flatten the curve, right? Mm. That was that yep. was the that was the initial pitch, and uh, then it turned out to be like really lethal. And we were like, "Well, that that's actually that's actually not also not acceptable." So I say, but we've now moved the lethality down, you know, um, down significantly. Um, and what I would rather us be talking about is um, the frailty of our healthcare system, uh, the number, say, the lack of robustness yeah, uh, in terms of ventilators, in terms of hospital beds, in terms right. like we, we've highlighted this before, but like, you know, Louisiana and Alabama ran out of hospital beds. They had a professional athlete who broke, like, who had broken his leg and just needed treatment and died. Mm-hmm. waiting to be seen at a hospital because no, like the, the all the hospitals were, were overrun right. and that's grotesque, especially so, in a nation like this. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So we should you know, say, uh, and if that means, I don't know, maybe you have to pass regulations about uh, for-profit hospitals and their ability to cost, like to curb costs because you're, goal as a hospital is to provide care for your for the citizenry and we're yeah. willing to give you a lot of leeway in exchange for that mm-hmm. um, and if you mm-hmm. can't fulfill your end of the bargain get crushed so this is you know this has been a good um yeah this was a good this was a good question because i think if we even had compared our answers to what we said then i think we would see a lot more nuance mm-hmm. as we tried mm-hmm. to learn like yeah. from what did yeah. happen so um, right 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 well we've shifted a lot ourselves since that time you know yeah in, in some degrees our conversations have have shifted somewhat not necessarily our positions but our conversations right. have expanded well because the facts on the ground have made the things more complicated that's been the troubling thing right as the facts rolled in the answers got harder not not easier absolutely so, absolutely yeah well thank you for bringing that anthony so i'm going to yeah. go back to you alex with that, you know, you've been reporting the trends all year long. Is there something in your trend report that has really stood out for you? Striketober, baby. Striketober. Wow. Talk, remind us, for those of us who missed or fell asleep for, I don't know, at least several weeks, what the so, significance of Striketober, what it really meant. So uh, for five weeks, 10,000, um, uh, more than 10,000 workers at John Deere was they went on strike. Yeah. Um, they just rejected 
the the contract that John Deere put out, and they it's just uh, so they just said they weren't going to go to work, and uh, this is like the first. I don't want to say the first big, like, you know, union activity, but this was the first time we saw like a really significant increase in union support across the country since uh, Ronald Reagan crushed unions. Do you think it has a lot to do with the talk that we now have or the compassion we're starting to have for what became known as essential workers even? So I think it's a, I think it's a host of things. So um, certainly uh, there's a level of, um, uh, like just grassroots support for mm-hmm. um, workers supporting workers, you know, uh, apes together strong. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so to say, and certainly there's uh, some of that, especially as uh, things like um, uh, our r slash anti work uh, have uh, have grown, have just you know exploded in popularity, uh, and other like other similar networks of employees being able to having the time to talk to each other and reach out and be like, oh, this isn't like my, this, my terrible experience, like my terrible set of like awful bosses and terrible working conditions from job to job to job to job. Like that's like a universal thing in like in the nation. I'm not alone. Everyone is feeling this way. Yeah. Everyone is, um, everyone is fed up with it. Mm-hmm. And we can support each other and we don't have to take this. And the reason why I brought up my question is because, you know, we have a large amount of people who are just leaving jobs as well. You know, that whole. I'm going to push back on that narrative because I actually haven't seen the data to support that people are that large chunks of people are just checking out of the workforce. No, I didn't say checking out of the workforce. What I mean to say is they're leaving jobs that they previously held before and, and there, mm-hmm. some of them are going towards or trying to get jobs or trying to fit the lifestyles that they want to live. The, yeah, All okay, right. So t- really talking about like the great resignation. Just yes. People are, yes. Y- you've held this job for seven years. Yeah. And unless you're willing to meet my demands, I'm done. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, Francine, you mentioned this right when he mentioned it. And I actually, I hadn't thought at this point. It's a, actually a really good point you made. I wanted to highlight it again. Um, we spent like a long time telling people that they were essential. And also underpaid, and that they were essential, and also had no privileges, and, they and were that we heroes. can't right. They were heroes, and we can't live without you. And also, uh, you work like a a job that you hate at retail. And then, uh, what happened is that people started to act like they were they were essential. <laughs> What a guy. <laughs> you were good until you start believing it, right? You're right. We wanted to tell people that they were essential, but we didn't want to pay you like that. You weren't supposed to believe that you were a hero. That was just a thing we said so that we could keep buying toilet paper at Target, <laughs> not so that you could demand higher wages. Right. Oops. Crap. <laughs> like, um, and so that was a good point you brought up. And I think that is part of what's happening. I mean, we spent a long time telling people, including myself, I wrote about this in one of my earliest things about this, that you are essential. Knowing damn well, I am not essential. Mm -hmm. My job is not possibly essential in any normal conventional understanding of the word. But to keep the economy chugging along, we'd spent a long time telling literally everyone that they were essential. Yeah. And now they want to be paid and treated like the essential heroes. This is, the, this is their time. They're gonna they're gonna play their hand. I don't blame I don't blame people yeah. for trying to get paid more. I did yeah. not realize honestly how low some how low some people were being paid out of my ignorance, and I didn't realize that wait staff were paid even less than that. I was just yep. so surprised at the numbers. I was like, how are people supposed to make a living? How are they supposed to take care of families and pay daycare? And, you know, no wonder home ownership in a lot of places has gone down. It's hard to even pay rent, let alone get a mortgage. It's just crazy. So, yep. I mean, I'm, I'm an advocate for the worker. I, I'm glad to see people advocate for themselves and advocate for higher wages, especially in spaces where they probably should have been paid more a long time ago. And so yep. um, I want to say one final bit there. So after their negotiation, uh, John Deere workers got an $8,500 signing bonus, 20% increases in wages over the lifetime of the contract, 10% this year, um, a return of cost of living adjustments, a 3% lump sum, um, uh, lump sum payments, enhanced options for retirement, and enhanced 
um, CIPP um, uh, performance benefits. Okay. And then healthcare will remain the same throughout the entire life of the agreement. Really? And as an additional bit of uh, potentially good news, um, Kellogg's just, um, is backtracking on their previous um, assertion that they were going to fire their 14. Wasn't that just uh, not too long ago? They said that they were going to uh, replace the- <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. So what's up with Kellogg's? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, uh, their tentative agreement, the union has to vote on it. So I don't want, uh, and ultimately whatever the union, whatever the union members say, I say we, I'm willing to support. If this is this is good enough for them, fine. Um, so employees with four or more years of service would graduate to legacy wages and benefits. Um, there will be a transitional graduate rate at three percent of the plant's headcount. Uh, so a complete so not getting rid of entirely getting rid of the two tier system, but a gradual but gradually phasing it out. Um, Right, right. Because this is the situation where people can work the same job, but make drastically be, differently right. wages. Some of them would be legacy and some of them would be gotcha. these uh, uh, transitional. Right, right. At least there's a path mm-hmm. for people, right, to onload yeah. to better wages. I got you, got you. Uh, transitionals automatically go up to $24.11 uh, an hour in addition to their cost of living raises. Mm-hmm. Um, legacy employees uh, get an automatic one dollar and ten cent uh, hour raise immediately, in addition to their standard costs of living raise, which is uh, estimated between between thirty six and thirty seven dollars an hour. Um, mm-hmm. No change to legacy health care, no change to transitional health care or retirement, and no increase in contribution rates. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, new dental benefits for the transitional employees, mm-hmm. new vision. Uh, benefits for all employees. Mm -hmm. Pension plans get a modifier of $2 increase per year until 2026. Medical and prescriptions will be retroactive to October 5th. And uh, they are elected to pay for, uh, if they elected to pay for COBRA, they will be reimbursed. Increase WIB amount in each supplemental agreement by $25. Increase severance by $10,000 for each level on permanent plant closings. Increase translational vacation to legacy amount, tra- transitional vacation to legacy amounts based upon years of service. So they'll get the same uh, based on the same years vacation. of service. Same vacation, yep. gotcha. Okay. Uh, expand f- expanded funeral leave, increase accidental death and dismemberment by $10,000, expand relocation opportunities, and simplify company stock purchase program. Okay. That's a bit more than I was expecting. That's a, that's a significant a turnaround. Nice. Oh, it's, it's a, it's a huge turnaround for, uh, for Kellogg's. It's yeah. a big win for unions. I'm so um, surprised. I am so surprised that that was a, I thought that was a line in the cement when I saw that story. Wow. How quickly we changed. Well, thank you for sharing. Alex, I changed what I said about you. <laughs> <laughs> You, so, brought a, uh, you, know, you brought some Christmas cheer. Workers, <laughs> say, uh, workers out there, you know, workers out there, workers, apes together strong. Yes, yes, That's yes. Well, good deal. Bring back good the th- unions. That was actually inspirational. Thank you for sharing that. Well, as we come to the end of the show, what I like to do is we don't necessarily have to speak on it a lot, but there's in general a lot of news that hits our news feeds um, from some of the things that are way out there. We even talked about some things in sports. Of course, we talk about all politics, but a lot of these stories uh, hit a lot of different walks of life. So you gentlemen, if you can, can humor me just a, a moment more, I'd like to know if there's just a story that's just hung in your heart a little bit longer over this year. You know, there's some stories that just kind of stick with you, stick to the bone. And you just wonder, you know, you check in every now and then to see if there's like any update or anything that's changed. Has there been a story like that? I know we put a lot of stuff out there, but has there been a story that that uh, you all uh, heard about throughout the course of this year? And before you answer that, I ask that, and also think about this, how you want that story to project into the new year. You know, what, what do you see moving forward? So Alex, let's start with you since you've already been warmed up. Is there a, uh, it is, is, <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving. Hey. The, um, uh, the Activision Blizzard scandal, oh. scandals, the 
the ongoing one disaster into another into another um it's uh it's been great popcorn uh popcorn drama uh, like the opposite of the opposite of doom scrolling i don't know what what you call that um I'd have to save it for the audience would have to decide for themselves. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, Anthony seems like he has a response for it. <laughs> I'm all look, I'm all on board. They're getting their uh, just desserts. So um, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to give everyone the TLDR. Yeah, could give it to us. Is, uh, I, again, truly the gift that keeps on giving. Um, so it all began this year when uh, the state of California um, uh, came public with their uh, with charges against Activision Blizzard for violating, uh, you know, labor uh, labor laws um, in California, including um, equal protection for uh, for women in the workplace, uh, and it was a result of a two year investigation. Um, and that led say, and uh, that led into. Um, uh, say um various developers coming out about their about their own stories uh it led to mass resignation i remember uh, this now yes we talked uh, about this on another recap yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yep um so, i say uh so so uh and then i say and then that brought into conversations about um about unionizing and that led into hiring um hiring the pinkertons uh, and uh, say uh, and doing some uh, good old fashioned union busting on behalf of Activision Blizzard, yeah. um, and then uh, and then we moved on into uh, we found out um, alley of various uh, sexual assault allegations by various um, you know developers, and then they were either all resigned or uh, say or were uh, say or le- or voluntarily left the company. And then uh, finally, uh, Bobby Kotick, uh, the CEO of Activision Blizzard, had his own like had his own uh, um, sexual assault allegations uh, yeah. come out, yeah. including um, a harshly worded uh, voicemail to his secretary of "I will have you killed." Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. more. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I, I can see why that stuck with you. So have yeah. you checked in to see where has anything changed since you initially uh, heard the story? Yeah. We are still talking about unionizing. Um, so which is just you know great to hear from uh, from the video game industry. We've had several um, uh, former employees uh, come up who are now just publicly saying say um, you know Blizzard is dead. They say they're um, the reason that we haven't gotten you guys haven't gotten new games, and the reason that all of the new games you've gotten are um, are bad and have missing features, and you're being lied to is because no one there, like none of the leadership there knows, like knows how to do this, and they're just kind of like they're just kind of wearing, they're wearing the skin of a be- of a far better company. Yep, mm. wow. they're the Walking wow. Dead. Yes. Well, Wow. Wow. Well, that that's a lot to chew off. Well, how about you, Anthony? What's the story that's really kind of stuck to your bone throughout the year? What what has still been with you? Yeah. The January 6th riots that happened 8000 years ago in January Mm -hmm. of this year. Mm -hmm. It's been remarkable how quickly it has. it, It stays in the news. Right. We still see headlines about things that are happening, but they move out of the news so fast right right right. given the gravity of what happened given what many of us sat and watched on our tvs or phones or tablets or wherever you saw it Mm -hmm. um i have spoken before about sitting in front of my tv dumbfounded and transfixed staring at my screen just a feeling i had not had in 20 years since 9 11 um i've spoken about that I've written about that. And the fact that it has it has had no political relevance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and in fact, the the people responsible for it have not suffered any. Well, some penalty. people are going to jail. Some people are going to jail here and there. They're, They're not the ones who are responsible for it. Say, say the foot soldiers are going yeah. to jail. When I said responsible, I didn't mean the people who did the rioting. Mm-hmm. That's not who's responsible for what happened. Uh, they're the soldiers who were sent out to die on behalf of a stupid ass cause 
But they were not the people doing the leading and the cheering on. They were not the people coming up with plans on how to overthrow an election. They were not people doing PowerPoint presentations or exchanging text messages. Um, trying well, come to out and say through. it. Come out and say it. I mean, it was hints. Trump and it was Meadows and it was other members of Congress who I have no doubt their names are all up in those text messages. Um, exchanging text beforehand. It was the people mm-hmm. on Fox News, the Sean Hannity's, the Tucker Carlson's, um, the Laura Ingram's. Tucker Carlson was too? You put him on the list? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. He has been nothing but a, but, a flag wear, but a flag waver for this whole ridiculous cause. People running around saying the election was false, the election was stolen, the election was a fraud. But isn't it, it people's plans. responsibility to kind of, you know, parse that out for themselves and... Uh, I mean, it is people's responsibility. Yes. But, but, I mean, but, but if everyone they listen to tells them that it's the truth, then like what I mean. And, you know, we now know that we were basically a vice president Pence away from like actual disaster. Like, and if you were and if you were to and if you were to tell me six years ago that the governor of Indiana, who most of us here in Indiana, like a lot of us did not like, would somehow be the hero. <laughs> I would go, what sort of hell world are you describing to me, sir? (laughs) None of that whole sentence doesn't make sense. Vice Vice President Pence, hero of what? Of saving the Constitution? From who? Sometimes it's the most unlikely of characters to come in and save the day. Well, you know, that (laughs) ultimately uh, it's really about following the rules. And he came in and he decided to (laughs) follow the rules so your follow-up to your story that stuck to you where are things now and then and then i my last question to both of you will be projecting into the future for what the stories you brought up where where are we now so where we are now is the committee is continuing to investigate this continue to have more details come out as i mentioned mark meadows Mm uh his text messages have been revealed (laughs) he flipped and then decided a week later that he wished he had not flipped but in that week he gave up all the goods. I mean, sang like a canary in one week. Just gave up all this text messages, like thousands of pages of documents, and then said, "Ah, oh, gonna take it back. Too late, Mark. You already gave yeah. it up." So that's where we are now. The committee is continuing to investigate. And what I would like to happen in the future is I would like to see people go to prison. Period. Okay. That's like, your, that is is that, what, that's what you want to see happen. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's where we are now. What um, people need to go to prison for you to feel like this? Politicians. Okay. Elected officials. Elected officials. Elected officials. All right. Yep. So some of those people that you named on your list, they need to go down. Yep. All right. Yep. All right. All right. Alex, back to your <laughs> in Activision. Real quick, what what needs to happen? What's the future projection for your story? What needs to happen? Um, unions, more unions, more um, unions. Strike while the saying strike while the iron iron is hot. Uh, I want to you know briefly, briefly revisit. You know, um, Ronald Reagan told, showed everybody in as uh, during the um, air workers' strike that um will say you you're all replaceable and we'll just say and we'll just I, I don't care how highly skilled you are we'll we'll call um we'll call some rookie pilots who have some experience in uh in like helping to land planes and uh we'll use them instead and uh you know like kind of establish like this the new like the corporate world order uh you know cor- you know corporations first um workers uh eat shit and we now have an opportunity because of the world being the chaos that it is, workers actually have an opportunity to flip this, like to bring that back to something resembling uh, a more level playing field, a more equal li- equilibrium. Everyone should do it. That, so I, I want to see, I want to say, I want to see video game unions. I want to see, I want to see more Starbucks unions, like the one coming out of Buffalo. Uh, That's big factory. news. That's some big news. news. Yeah. Maybe some yeah. McDonald's unions, a, a Mick union, as it were. Um, yes. <laughs> just more unions. Out. So That's I get time. it. Prosecutions and unions. Okay, that's our projection for the future. <laughs> Those are our hopes. Those are our hopes. Is likely. 
Uh, so those are our hopes. Well, I appreciate you all sharing your hopes and I appreciate people listening in with, uh, with us here at Recap, you know, for this entire year and before then, every show that we put together is a thoughtful expression of what we see in the news. And we hope that you continue to support us by listening to this program. And we'd like to especially thank our listeners and, and the growing audience that we're seeing overseas. I don't know what that's about, but welcome to the party. We're glad to have you. So with that, this podcast has been brought to you in part by Eliac Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians, and Pointcast News. To listen to any of our podcasts, please go to our website at pointcast.news or find us on Apple Podcasts or really any uh, podcast player that you uh, prefer. Also, be sure to follow us and like us on our Facebook and Instagram pages. And without, like Josh says, with that, I should say, should I say I'm out? Is that what I get to say now? Francine out. France, it doesn't sound the same. I'll just say bye. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. I don't have the currency to say now. It doesn't sound the same. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.